So for my podcast today, I'm going to be talking about the orphan train movement and what happened during that time. Um, I just want to start off and explain like why I picked this topic for my podcast. So I picked this because I really didn't know what to pick for my podcast topic. I was like, it's just a really hard thing to pick for me because there's just so many things that you can choose from. But I picked this because my sister was reading a book because she really likes to read and it was called Orphan Train Girl. And um, I asked her what it was about and she explained and then I kind of just did more research about it about the orphan train movement and it kind of surprised me that this was going on back then and I didn't ever really learn about it so that's why I kind of want to discuss this so I could inform others about what happened during this time. Before I start discussing what the orphan train movement was I just want to talk about the book Orphan Train Girl and just give a brief summary of what happened so in this book, it tells a story of a uh, young girl who's Irish, um, and she became an orphan after her family was killed in a fire, and this took place in like the early 1900s. So she ends up riding the orphan train and is placed with the family, and she's forced to work for them. And then at the end of the book, it's in it fast forwards to present day, and she tells her story to a young girl who is in foster care. So the orphan train movement was a welfare program that transported orphaned and homeless children from eastern cities of the United States to foster homes that were located in the Midwest. And these areas in the Midwest were very rural, and these orphan trains operated between 1854 and 1929, relocating about 200,000 orphaned um, abandoned or abused or homeless children. So a majority of these children were from New York City and it kind of started in New York City because a minister by the name of Charles Loring Brace, um, he was really troubled by the large number of homeless children in New York and that kind of happened through the massive influx of new immigrants that had crowded the city and a series of financial panics and depressions in the late 19th century, which created unemployment, and cheap housing became harder to come by. So as a result of that, tens of thousands of children ended up on the street. Since there was, since there was no social safety net, there was no or, organized way to reach individual children or provide them with welfare or sur- social services. So he wanted to change that, and that's kind of how the orphan train movement started. So the guy named Charles Loring Brace really wanted to help these children. And a lot of these children, before they were sent out west, they were doing jobs such as shining shoes and selling newspapers. And a lot of them got into trouble and they would be like arrested because they don't really have parents to like put them in their place, I guess. And they were just all on their own. Um, So in 1853, Brace, um, Charles Loring Brace, he founded the Children's Aid Society, and this society created trade schools, built lodging houses for homeless children, and began to tackle truancy and illiteracy. So 
This guy, Brace, believed that the city was no place for a desperately poor child, and as the numbers of homeless children began to grow, and that number was between 20,000 and 30,000 in the 1870s alone, he started acting on that belief. So he proposed that orphans and um, these orphan children will be sent to families in the West instead of institutionalizing them. Brace thought that it made sense to send children there instead of locking them up on the East Coast because farmers needed every set of hands they could find and food and space was plentiful in the West. So a lot of wealthy families in New York and this guy Brace, they um, began gathering groups of children and sending them out West because they have gathered funds and a lot of people donated to them. So... In this process, it included pairing groups of children with adult chaperones who rode with them to the rural destinations out west. So when the children arrived, the chaperones would take the children to large public gatherings. Um, The potential adoptive parents would select a child or children. Then they would go to their new homes with the understanding that they would be expected to work on the farm in exchange for their home. Most parents signed agreements that entitled the children to care, but allowed them to leave the home if circumstances necessitated a break in the adoptive relationship. Not all orphan train riders went to an unknown destination. Some of them had been pre-placed already and rode the train to a pre-designed home. So even though um, the person who, the main person who set it up, Brace, and a lot of people that donated to this were doing it for good intentions there were some sad things about it and a lot of these children not all of them but a lot of them who were placed with strangers um were treated as servants and um a lot of the siblings could be separated if they went with their siblings and some children whose guardians died or abandoned them could relive the circumstances that took them west in the first place falling them back into neglect, poverty, or crime. So this orphan train movement system had actually ended up being in place for 75 years, but by the time the 1920s rolled around, social work had become a profession, and as the nation moved away from child labor and toward a social welfare system, the trains were no longer seen as necessary. So it ended in around in the 1920s. So, in this podcast, I wanted to talk about um, a specific person um, that was involved with the orphan train movement, and as I was just looking online, I found a girl named Emily Reese Kidder, and I just want to give a background about her story so you can get a better idea of what happened. So, in March 1906, um, she was 14 years old. When she boarded the orphan train and she was headed to Hopkinton, Iowa. So her father had discarded his wife and nine children when Emily was just a few years old. She spent her adolescent years under strict discipline in the home for destitute children at 217 Sterling Place in Brooklyn, New York. Um, As I was reading this, I realized Emily was not one of the lucky ones. Um, She was placed in one foster home after another in no less than four states. At age 19, she met Earl D. Kidder, and they were married March 20th, 1920. 
1912, I mean. Um, they ended up raising six children and were married no less than 74 and a half years. <laughs> so I wanted to mention Emily's story because it made me realize that a lot of these children um, didn't actually end up having a better life than they did when they moved out west because um, it seemed like children were just picked for selfish reasons by farmers and they were the farmers were just looking for extra help on the farm and a few only few were actually legally adopted when they moved out west which is really sad but like i said eventually a change in attitudes towards the practice of placing out children along with foster care and child labor laws would bring the orphan train era to an end um, these children, however, would forever become a part of America's social history, and today historians believe that there are nearly 2 million descendants of these orphan train riders, which is a lot. So today there are about the same number of homeless children in New York as in the 1870s, but the city has grown from around 942,000 residents to over 8.6 million. So as I was discussing... As I was reading and discussing the orphan train movement, it made me realize that foster care today still isn't where it needs to be, but I definitely think we came a long way because children are no longer expected to perform labor in exchange for foster care or adoption, which is good for obvious reasons, but I still think that foster care still has a lot to improve on. and. I just hope in the future it gets better.